Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm excited to welcome Nancy Wuwon to the podcast. My name's Nancy Wuwon. I meet with the Belmore Road Church of Christ in Melbourne, Australia. Nancy was born and raised in the North Australian city of Cairns as the child of two Buddhist parents. After completing her tertiary studies in Brisbane, Nancy moved down to Melbourne, where she has now lived for almost 26 years. Nancy currently works as a physio, mainly assisting public hospital patients who have suffered strokes or nerve-related illnesses like MS. Nancy is also undertaking a postgraduate degree in Christian ministry through the Harding School of Theology in Memphis and remains a committed member of the Belmore Road Church of Christ in Melbourne. So, Nancy, before we really get stuck into our topic of evangelism, could you tell us a bit about how you came to know Christ and how you came to be part of the church in the first place? My parents are Buddhist, and when I was in grade two, they started having religious education classes. All my classmates could attend, uh, and my dad said I wasn't allowed to. So I had to sit outside while everyone else got to learn about God. And I was really curious. I thought, oh, this isn't fair. I have to sit outside colouring in and what are they doing in there? So I kept asking my dad over and over. I kept nagging him until he gave in and then he let me go. So I learnt stories about Jesus in primary school at these RE classes once a week. And they gave us all little Gideon's Bibles. I read, you know, portions of it because I still remember reading Mark uh, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, where it says, if you believe and be baptised, you'll be saved. But if you don't believe, you know, you'll be condemned. And, uh, and that really, that concerned me a lot. I thought, oh, no, my parents don't have to know I believe, but to get baptised... That's going to mean leaving the family home and going somewhere to get baptised. I asked the RE teacher, do I have to be baptised to be saved? And she said to me, well, if you love God, you'll do what he says. And I was just mortified. I thought, oh, oh no, I am going to hell now. I'm giving up. <laughs> There's no way. My parents are going to let me get baptised. So I went through high school and, you know, as a teenager, my self-esteem was really built on, you know, what everyone else around me was doing. You know, if they were going to nightclubs and drinking, I needed to do that too. And, and so I did. Meanwhile, my older sister, Jane, was at college, so tertiary education, and she found the church in Rockhampton. So she got baptised and came home and told me, you know, all about the church and getting baptised. And I thought, I'm hanging out with my friends and they're doing things which don't please God. And then by the time year 12 came around, Jane took me and my two younger sisters down to Sydney to visit family. And she said, oh, and by the way, part of the conditions of me flying you all down is you have to come to this Bible camp you have to go to Blue Sky Bible Camp. <laughs> and I said, oh, 
okay, how hard could that be? So went along, I think it went for about five days and uh, I was really scared. I thought, oh no, I'm, I know I'm a sinner. What if I say something, you know, a word slips out <laughs> inadvertently. Oh no, they're going to come down on me hard. However, they were really friendly. There was such a fun group of people and what won me over was the singing because I was in a choir in school and the singing at camp was incredible. I thought, oh, you know, if I became a Christian, I could do all this singing. And being at camp, you know, dispelled some myths for me about being a Christian, that Christians were square and boring and, uh, and they weren't. So after camp, Jane took us to like Eastside and Macquarie and I must say, out of the camp environment, I just sort of slipped back into, oh, yeah, this is very boring. <laughs> Church is so boring. And then we went, went back to Cairns. I went to, started university. So I did a year of agricultural science. And I went out with my Aggie friends and uh, got drunk. I mean, I only had two drinks. But, you know, because I don't normally drink, it had a big effect. So I woke up and I thought... <gasps> I am going to hell. That's it. I've got to stop. You know, that was, I'd hit rock bottom and I thought, I want to go to heaven. My friends, they'll just have to do whatever they want. I want to go to heaven. So there, there was another Christian girl at camp. Before she got married, she was Bronwyn Doyle and she'd written to me and she was in Brisbane when I was in Brisbane studying. She'd written and said, oh, we must get together sometime. And I thought, oh, no, another Christian trying to shove the Bible down my throat. I, I've had enough, you know. But that morning when I woke up, I thought, where's that letter? Where's that card she sent me? Quick, got to find it, got to ring her. I want to get baptised now. So I rang her and then she said, oh, well, let's set up a Bible study. And she and Ivan Vidler would come over on a Tuesday night to the college where I was staying at Queensland Uni and they studied what's called the Open Bible Study, the OBS. One of the last questions was, do you love God? And I, I started crying, you know. <laughs> oh, if I love God, I'll do what he says. So I said, yes, I'll get baptised, you know. I'm crying now. <laughs> So, um, yeah, Tuesday night, Ivan had the car. Ivan drove very quickly to Holland Park, uh, Church of Christ. <laughs> I thought, oh, I really want to arrive there alive. <laughs> he was driving so quickly. Uh, that was hilarious. So Ivan baptised me. Yeah, that's how I became a Christian. Oh, well, it's a journey. Yeah, that was just the beginning, sort of. You know, Nancy, even though I've known you since... I was born, I think. I had no idea about so many of those details, like how you studied ag science at first. But you did mention something that stood out to me, Nancy, especially in light of our theme of evangelism. And that was how your friend Bronwyn kind of won you over in a different way. So what specifically was it about the Christians at the Blue Sky Bible Camp and Bronwyn in particular that made you think, this is something I want to commit to? That's a great question. <laughs> Faith, because you saying that reminds me that I left out a few little details. Actually, it was more than Bronwyn. 
I think it was New Year's Day, we were in a tug of war and I sprained my ankle. Then I had to hobble around camp and there were two, two girls in my cabin who, you know, helped me out. Like they piggybacked me around because I couldn't walk properly. And you know where they were from? They were from Melbourne. Yeah, one of them was Barb Poynton. She was Barb Thompson and Carol Baker, who's now Carol Plowman. They were just the loveliest girls. I couldn't walk around much, but they just hung around. They got me food. It's that real service mentality. I guess everyone plays a part in conversion. I I think God just calls people into place. Sometimes we're ready, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're aware of it. I mean, Brahman sent me a note. I wasn't really ready for it. And yet when the time came, it was good that she'd sent me the card. So I think in reaching out to others, we never really know. And if you sort of feel like if you get that little nudge inside or that could be the Holy Spirit prompting. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but I'm glad that Bronwyn gave me her contact details because when I wanted to contact the church, I knew who to turn to. Well, I might just shift our conversation a bit, Nancy, from talking about your own experience of having Christians reach out to you to talk about evangelism in a broader sense. And in particular, I wanted to ask you what you understand evangelism to mean or to look like, especially after having been a Christian for all these years? Well, pre-doing this global evangelism course, I thought of it as one thing. (laughs) And now that I've had about six or seven weeks of lectures, I think of it differently now. I'm doing a Master of Arts in Christian Ministry through Harding School of Theology which is terrific. I'm into my sixth course. And this semester, I'm doing global evangelism with Alan Howe, who was a missionary to Mozambique with his wife and children and another team for about 15 years. And now he he lectures at Harding. Pre all of that, I must say, even when I first became a Christian, I thought, oh, you know, of all the good works that you can do in your life, When you help others become a Christian, they're going to live forever. Like this is is work that will outlast anything because when we die, can't take anything, (laughs) can't take nothing with you. But if you can bring your friends along with you, that's pretty all right. Yeah, initially I think it, it was a lot about being able to teach others or you know, let them know about God's message that they can go to heaven and avoid hell because that was the message that I understood. I guess over the years of being a Christian, realising, you know, eternal life, it doesn't just start at physical death. You know, this is eternal life that they may know you, John seventeen three. So eternal life starts now. We live this life here on earth bringing a bit of heaven. So in the global evangelism course, I'm discovering that, you know, what is responsible evangelism? Because each culture, they have their own set of values and understanding 
about how to live life, when we bring Christ to them, we're sort of trying to, one, understand where other people are at and we become representatives of Christ. There's this this God-shaped hole and we can be a part of helping to reunite people with God. So I think evangelism, not only receiving, you know, being able to receive the Holy Spirit, you know, when we're immersed in water, we rise again to newness of life. And then it's this walk with him, this discipleship, which he talks about in, you know, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, being transformed as we walk on this earth. So the discipleship part of it is just as important. Yeah, and that process of discipleship, we have Christ as our example. And one thing in the lectures that Alan brought out was, you know, Jesus had limited time on earth. People, once they knew he could do miracles, special stuff, you know, feed the multitudes, heal the sick, man, that was thronging. Alan pointed out that, you know, he, Jesus, he had his inner three. Peter, James and John spent heaps of time with them. They were with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They were with him in the garden. They were his closest mates. So the inner circle and then there were the 12. So he spent a decent amount of time with them. And then there were disciples, 70. And then there were the crowd. And in our lives, as we reach out to others, emulating Christ's example, that brings a degree of uh, effectiveness to our ability to help disciple others. So I thought, oh, yeah, you know, I've got my little inner two or three people that I connect with on a weekly basis, pray together. That's really helped me grow. You know, it's such a strengthening thing. So I'm in the process of working out my circle of 12. Not quite sure who they are. Yeah, I've got an idea. (laughs) Some people that I hang out with. And then there's the 70. And But, um, you know, I, I guess Jesus spent all that time with Peter, James and John and they were able to then go on and do, you know, keep doing God's work more effectively because he he helped to nurture growth in them. There's so much in there, Nancy, I want to ask you more about. But one thing you mentioned was that verse in John 17 and the fact that knowing God doesn't just stop at baptism and we really can't just leave new Christians on their own. So I was wondering, Nancy, if you could speak a bit about your own experience of being baptised and what came after that. Did you find that you were well supported in that transition or did you need more guidance as a new Christian? I've thought of that quite a bit, you know. When people have been baptised, the follow-up's so important because, I mean, I I was baptised in Brisbane. I didn't hang out with my, you know, uni friends as much because they didn't share the same values you know and Bronwyn was fantastic she was my best friend we used to hang out used to sit with her in church and lunches and whatnot so when she graduated with her teacher's degree and she then went down to Sydney I kept going with my uni degree 
oh, I was just sort of heartbroken, you know. I've lost a friend. So, yeah, and Bronwyn and I, we, we used to study together. She gave me this book called Climb Happiness Hill and she had a copy and there were like, I think there were 12 chapters and the first chapter was Count Your Blessings. So for a whole week we had to count our blessings and then we'd send encouraging notes to each other to say, these are the blessings I noticed today. And, yeah, it was a, it was a great way to stay connected to another Christian sister and to keep learning about, you know, what it is to be a Christian. And I remember um, from Gympie, which is a small town north of Brisbane, R.G. Drollinger was the preacher there. So he used to send me correspondence Bible studies I used to fill them in and send them back to him. So I did that for a little while and other Christians as well. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty much surrounded and I think that really helped my faith grow. I think, you know, the warnings in the Bible about, you know, falling away, I thought, oh, I've got to make sure that I make good friends or a good friend at least in church. I think that's really important. Because we all struggle at times and it's nice to have a friend who you can be vulnerable with and then they don't judge you, they love you and they say, oh, it's okay, come on, keep going. So they just jolly you along and then, you know, you don't feel so alone and um, isolated. So I think that's a favour we can all do ourselves to pick good friends. Another question I wanted to ask you, Nancy, is about the obstacles to evangelism or the main challenges that might stop us from sharing the gospel within our own circles. The closer we know Christ, the better we get to know him through all those spiritual disciplines, we become transformed. And it can be quite a painful process, transformation, because it it most likely means suffering. Uh, You know, in one of the textbooks that we were given to read, it talks about suffering and the glory because Christ, Christ came and suffered for us to extend that grace. I believe it's in that transformation as we draw closer and closer to Christ, we then become more authentic individuals. You know, our truest selves are found in Christ I think Augustine said something along those lines. Because evangelism is difficult, there are plenty of fears. And yet, if we just lean into Christ, lean into God, the Holy Spirit, his word, you know, prayer and fasting, we actually find that the evangelistic effort is not done by ourselves and and that we work as a community There's me and God together as a community and it doesn't stop there. It means I'm connected to, you know, my inner two or three or whoever. And finding, you know, mentors or older sisters or brothers in Christ or, you know, I think that all takes time and as we pray about it, God provides those people because he says, you know, if we're seeking, uh, we'll find. So I think some of the challenges are maybe just spending enough time with God in his word, you know, praying for opportunities. So I remember uh, when we had um, 
Eddie Legg and, and his brother-in-law come over, Tim Rosengarten, how they talked about, you know, they just pray to have people to serve. We can see Jesus, you know, when he healed people, he was interested in people as a whole because he said, oh, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? So he did both. He was interested not in not just spiritual, also the physical. So I think here, going back to your question about evangelism, that it's often the two together. We serve people, feeding them, helping them out, looking after physical needs. And, you know, there's also that spiritual aspect as well, like reading the word somehow. I've yet to ask Alan, oh, how do you, you know, get people involved in Bible studies? Because that's, that's how I've understood evangelism. I think that's a little biased towards just the spiritual, which is important, but the, you know, emotional, physical side of ourselves is just as important. You know, if I look back on my own conversion, I needed those emotional questions answered before I was ready to take the plunge. If I became a Christian, would I have any friends? That was my, that's how it came down to. And if I look at how Belmore Road has helped bring people to Christ, I've thought, yeah, you know what? It's got to be the whole package. Maybe just on that, Nancy, I'm curious to know how you think us as Christians do in terms of showing that genuine care and that desire to serve people who may be seeking God or just something more in their lives. Yeah, actually, something Alan said in this week's lecture that really hit home and oh, felt the pain <laughs> in my heart. He said, now just imagine a woman who is unable to have children. Disclaimer here, you know, so not singling anyone out or anything, but, you know, from a medical point of view, it's like, oh, maybe something's not in the best way. You'd sort of hope that, you know, if she was married that she'd be able to have children. And then he said, well, that's like the church. The church is designed to reproduce, to plant other churches, to make disciples. That's what we're designed for. And I thought, if we're not doing it, <laughs> then something must be wrong. Perhaps we've lost sight of God's mission. I think a strength of the churches of Christ in Australia or around the world, and this was brought out to me when I first became a Christian, were those verses in John where Jesus says, By this all men shall know that you are my disciples, if you show love for one another. I know that if I travel anywhere in the world, that if I go to a church of Christ, you're so welcome, you're loved, you're just part of that community. And, you know, for all its all our weaknesses and foibles or whatever, that ability to show love, I think that's powerful. You know, that's part of the essence of God. So, Nancy, we've been talking for a while now, but one last question I wanted to ask you is whether you'd have any advice, especially for younger Christians who are really wanting to be that light for God and to take that step to evangelize either more often or with greater boldness. 
I think the most exciting thing that I've learned in this evangelism course is you can tell your story because that's really authentic. You know, to make a decision like that, there's some joy in that process. I think it just bubbles from within and then spills out around people you're with. And I think that's part of the joy of the Lord. As we share our lives, it's like we're extending out and at the same time, we're also grounded in Christ. We're, we're connected. My support crew, you know, they're the ones who are keep keeping me on the straight and narrow. And yet at the same time, that joy and that love bubbles over. And I think that comes from knowing our story like, um, is it in Luke or was it Mark 5, that demoniac? He was cutting himself. He was in the tombs, crying out. And then when Jesus got rid of those evil spirits, he was clothed and in his right mind. And then he went to the Decapolis or whatever and told everyone. And maybe not all of us have dramatic stories like that. And I think that's okay. It's finding, you know, finding what it is that gives us so much joy about God. And perhaps that's, you know, like a lifelong process. I think it's probably that, sharing your story and staying connected. So, Nancy, that was my last kind of official question on our theme of evangelism. But I do have a quick rapid round of questions to ask you. So would you be happy to answer those? Sure. So the first rapid question, Nancy, is what is your favourite Bible verse and why? I mean, I do love Psalm 23. That springs to mind. But the one in Psalm 20 says, you know, some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Just reminds me that, you know, chariots got strength, brute strength or princes, you know, great leaders. But actually, what we need is God. Second question, Nancy, is who is your Bible hero and why? Well, Jesus is one of them. <laughs> but I, I did think of um, Ruth. She chose to honour God, you know, even though she wasn't from the chosen tribe of Israel. But because she had faith, the quality of her character meant that her lineage is part of Christ's lineage. And that's like a spiritual thing in a way. And, and that's for like you and me too. So I love that that's a possibility available to all of us, no matter what we've done in our past or where we've come from, no matter how broken, all we have to do is turn to God. And the third rapid question is, when or where do you feel closest to God? Probably two places. When I'm in my room, in my closet, praying and fasting, especially if, if I do Lectio Divina, which is like sacred reading or just the silent prayer where I imagine God is this light and this light is shining on me. I am filled from head to toe with his love and light. So I love that, but I also love being out on my bike and riding and seeing creation, you know, and just looking up at the sky. And I think, oh, that reminds me of God. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. Next question, Nancy, is what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude? You know what? It's, it's when I exercise and I move in a really comfortable, 
breathing sort of way. You know, we're spiritual beings, we're also physical beings and I believe we need to look after both because we move around on the earth in these arms, legs, muscles, nerves. Yeah, I feel feel happy that I can just do a little movement and then oh, just releases some tension. So I believe that has an impact on me spiritually as well. And the last rapid question, Nancy, is what is one lesson that you think God is still trying to teach you? Trust him more. <laughs> Let go. <laughs> I think sometimes uh, I'm a bit of a control freak. God is the God of abundance. That's what I've learned in the past year. Just to be content and know that God can supply whatever I need now, in the future. He's done it in the past. And I just need to, yeah, uh, just keep trusting Well, Nancy, I can tell you, you're definitely not the only one, not even in this room. And I have a feeling some of our listeners will be thinking the exact same thing. I hope you enjoyed hearing Nancy's story as much as I did, all the laughter and tears included. Thanks so much for tuning in to the second episode of our new evangelism series. As always, feel free to send any feedback about the podcast to saltyandbrightpod at gmail.com and keep an eye out for episode three coming soon. But until next time, stay salty and bright.